0: Hello and welcome to Are We Forcing It? I'm Annie. And
1: I'm Marianne.
0: And we're a Star Wars-based... <laughs> I need a better adjective. We're a Star Wars podcast that talks about Star Wars news, Star Wars books, and Star Wars shows and or movies, whatever's on at the time, which right now is The Bad Batch and The Mandalorian Season 3. Um, And it was a big week, actually. It was a...
1: Emotional roller coaster of a like
0: both of the episodes were like oh yay oh yay oh yeah.
1: it's like sad <laughs> oh sad oh
0: <laughs> um I actually told because I was at dinner a little while ago with my friends and I wanted to talk about Mando and they were like oh we haven't gotten a chance to see this week's yet and I was like I think it's my favorite of the series thus far. I think it's my favorite episode of Mando. Um, I just felt like it was the perfect balance of Mando and Baby Yoda. A lot of Baby yeah, Yoda. it was and great. action And It was a pretty good one. Mission, Sorry. yeah, you know, whole thing. Um, yeah, so not a ton of Star Wars news this week, but last week we did talk about how the day after we recorded, Marianne was going to go to a convention, and she went. So I tell went. us about it.
1: So... <laughs> Uh, I live in the Kansas City area, and this is the time of year for Planet Comic-Con. And I just happened to be on Twitter, and I saw that D. Bradley Baker had tweeted out that he was going to be at Planet comic He was in Kansas City for Planet Comic-Con. He was eating at Joe's Barbecue, which is amazing barbecue, by the way. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to go ahead and go. The kids got in for free, which was nice and one like when you go take a photo you can have one ticket for up to four people so it was like 60 bucks for four people which i thought was a fucking steal um that is really good for um conventions oh yeah well and like like i hear like uh ewan mcgregor and hayden christensen are like 200 300 but again it's for like up to four people which honestly Probably not that bad. I would still pay three hundred dollars to take a picture with Hayden Christensen, anyway. So, yeah. We uh, so we got there. It was very, very, very crowded, but it was super cool. Like we saw a parade of Mandalorians. The kids took pictures with different cosplayers. Uh, I had made a TikTok about how I was going to Planet Comic Con, and I was like, "If you guys have any, like, this is my first Comic Con, so if you guys have any tricks, trades, whatever, well, somebody." She I just popped up on her FYP, and she just like went to town telling me like what to expect and whatever. And she's like, I have a booth here and I'll be there tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to find you. It took me forever to fucking find her, but I found her and I bought something <laughs> from her as a thank you. But she looks at me, she goes, you look really familiar. And I'm like, that's because you comment on your TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. But, um, and I told Michelle, I was like, if we can get in line for D. Bradley Baker's autograph too, I want to do that, but it'll just depend on his line. Well we went to go check out the celebrity area and he actually had a really short line because William Shatner had a line that was like a fucking mile long. But we went and got in line for D. Bradley Baker and um, we got it's a picture of uh, Rex and Ahsoka from Rebels when they uh, see each other for the first time. And so, Evelyn showed him her Rex earrings, and he talked in Rex's voice, and he talked in Wrecker and Tex's voice, and, like, I honestly could not tell you what happened because I just pretty much blanked out. I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, like, I wish I, like, I would love to have asked some questions, but, again, I was so excited that I blanked out. And his focus was, like, on Evelyn. Johnny was hiding because he got really shy. So, then when we got, we got and stayed in line for the picture and those go like really fast like you get in you take the picture and you go well not us <laughs> we got in the light. we got there we got up there he's like hey fam and we're like you are so fucking awesome well johnny got shy and so we're trying yeah. to get him in the picture we're trying to get him in the picture and we kept apologizing they're like no it's totally fine like him and the photographer were like super cool Well, finally michelle picked him up and held him and he just like buried his face into her neck and so the picture is of d bradley Baker just like shuggy, shrugging shrugging <laughs> you know it and, is what it is oh I know. it's still a great picture i love it i think it's an awesome picture i'm gonna get it framed and hung up i think it's a great <laughs> picture though but it was a lot of fun um michelle's never gonna go again because uh she just doesn't like big crowds but um one of my tiktok mutuals actually lives here in the kansas city area so um i didn't get to meet up with her uh because she couldn't go on saturday she went on sunday and she got to take a picture with d bradley baker and she got to do the autographs with him um but i was like next year we'll go next year but it was great it was it was really cool just like looking at all like the different cosplayers and stuff like that it makes me incredibly excited about going to a star wars celebration because there wasn't like a lot of star wars but again it's a comic-con so it's like everything dc marvel star wars all kinds of shit right Um, so it makes me even more excited to go to Star Wars Celebration and take the kids because I know the kids will fucking love it, especially with all like the Star Wars cosplayers. And so I asked Evelyn and Johnny, I was like, well, who do you guys want to dress up as when we go to Star Wars Celebration? Well, Evelyn said Ahsoka and then Johnny initially said Rex, but then, um, he later changed to Darth Vader because he wanted a lightsaber so then michelle's like well screw that i'm gonna be leia i'm like okay which leia and she wants to be a new hope leia with the space buns and everything and so then i asked the kids well who should i dress up as and they're like mm, padme and i'm like okay well which padme mm, the rainbow dress the lake house dress they want me to wear the freaking lake house dress and i'm like <laughs> i guess i need to go lose weight okay <laughs> so but yeah that made me even more excited uh for and then I guess it turns out I have another mutual that lives here in the Kansas City area and I'm just like, all right, Kansas City and tick uh Star Wars TikTokers, we need to get together and figure out how we're gonna get celebration to Kansas City. Okay. We need to have a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> or you so, can just
0: all like car slash plane pool to the next one. To Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. But um uh, have a Kansas City section of a hotel.
1: <laughs> right. But Kansas uh but Star Wars so Star Wars celebration is next month. Like in a few weeks, actually, because I think it's like April seventh. Let me look. Sure. So a couple right of weeks from now. Yeah, I think it's the seven, eight, nine, and ten. I think it's that weekend. So it's coming up. I have a TikTok mutual who is going to be on a panel there. They're going to be. She's going to be talking. I'm pretty sure it's her, anyways. Let me double check. Um, but they have a panel on the importance of um Latina representation in Star Wars, which I'm like yes. So, we should be getting like a plethora of information from Star Wars Celebration. They're going to be doing um, live streams of certain panels and stuff like that. So, I will definitely be watching as much as I can. So, I'm really excited about that. Um, more information coming and, yeah, more about Ahsoka. Supposedly, some new movies are going to be um, announced, maybe. But I think, I think. Um, I think Lucas Lucasfilm has got some cards up their sleeves right now that they're uh keeping Acolyte. close. I it'll be interesting to see like where they go movie-wise, because like we're done with the Skywalker saga. So, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, the Skywalker saga's over. Can we do like Ray and the new Jedi Order or something like that? I would like to see the High Republic in movie form. I mean, we're getting High Republic in the Acolyte, which is really cool. Um, but I just want to hear the main, th- I, even if they continue to, like, the main theme is the theme of Star Wars. So if they were to continue episode you know, 10, 11, 12, you know, I just want to hear that main theme of, because <laughs> it's just an amazing feeling. Um, but we may not ever again. Like, that might be it. Like,
0: I know they offered, I think it was Taika Waititi, they offered like a trilogy. Um, right. And that wasn't going to be a, Skywalker thing, but also I wonder if they would then hire a new composer to write
1: new music well, for it. John John Williams is done, so Ooh, he says. He's yeah, he says he's <laughs> done. I, with I believe Star Wars. it for Star Wars. Yeah, no, yeah. I think he is. I think he is truly done with Star Wars. He's done nine films um and he's been consulted on several uh, he's been consulted for um and like some of his well he wrote the theme for han solo he wrote the theme for obi-wan and some of his stuff is used in um rogue one as well and i think solo too i don't know if he's credited for in solo well he's credited in solo for han's theme because he did come back and write han's theme Um, well also
0: the um Maybe not in solo specifically, but anything in, like in Rogue One, there's definitely a few things here and there that's like, that's um, a theme from, yeah, yeah, like that's a theme from Star Wars soundtrack, not from Rogue One. So, you know, like it would be like a new hope, is what I'm saying. So that makes sense. And there's stuff like that also in the animated stuff where it's like, oh, Oh, here's the Empire theme. And yeah, yeah. Like in Clone Wars, every time Anakin gets a little closer to the dark side, the Imperial. exactly exactly yeah
1: Yeah, exactly so um and of course you hear like the force theme and stuff like that but um in conclusion
0: john williams is the goat
1: (laughs) well yeah and his music (laughs) will always be used in star wars no matter like what direction it'll always be always be in star wars because it's just timeless
0: i guess in similar related news i had a cool exchange with beth revis on twitter
1: yeah, but from this <laughs> prof Beth. We prof Beth. Beth.
0: Um, she was my one of my professors in my MFA program. She still teaches for the program. I don't know exactly what all uh my class was an editing class. Um, so I didn't learn any like writing specific stuff. It was more about revision and coaching because she actually part of her career is being a writing coach. And she's also worked for a ton of different companies. So she knows a lot about how um the industry standard works and she wrote The Princess and the Scoundrel, which was the book that we read last fall. Um, when it came out, I think it's the first book I actually ever bought on opening day. <laughs>
1: <That's> and
0: <great. laughs> it is, and I think it was just like a coincidence because it was like, okay, we're gonna start this book and I bought it and then it was like newly released today. And I got a discount because I got it on opening day from Barnes and Noble and I was like, oh, look at that. Um, and I actually got it before you did cause you had pre-ordered it and it didn't ship till opening day or whatever release day um but of course the princess and the scoundrel a book about um han and leia's wedding and then honeymoon and so she posted on twitter where she was like okay guys at i don't remember if it's new york comic-con or however exactly that was but like she was like when are all the girls at oh it was that star wars celebration (laughs) of course she was like all the girls that are cosplaying leia's wedding dress which is featured on the cover of princess and the scoundrel she was like uh can we all get together and take a picture because i would seriously frame it and put it next to my own wedding photo (laughs) and (laughs) i was like well i didn't make a dress but i customized this funko pop which i think i also talked about on the podcast and She saw it immediately. I think I caught it pretty early. Or what I'm saying is like, it's not super hard to be noticed by her. It's not like Mark Hamill retweeted it. But also, I was super pumped. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. She replied to me where she was like, I must share this with the world. And then she shared it with the world. (laughs) And then it was fun and i was prof beth we stand prof beth which um i guess to be clear i think i'm the only one that calls her that and now marianne (laughs) yes but only because i call all of my professors prof whatever their name is and i think it's just because um i don't know it's like ingrained in me where i'm like professor (laughs) and at some point i was like the highlight of my week was beth Revis, like quote tweeting me and she was like the highlight of my week was
1: that you tweeted it and i was like stop it it continues you're so freaking sweet oh my gosh and she had the little like happy
0: little gif that was like tears of joy oh over. it was
1: the little beady unit uh yeah. to be tapping. i was like oh i think she anyway. liked a couple of my tiktoks actually like uh, it looks yeah like a i've of seen TikToks her on tiktok her uh fyp so i was like sweet
0: <laughs> i just saw one the other day or i think it was today i saw it because i've not really been on tiktok lately but today she scrolled past and she was like the fact that i'm wearing a crown like that crown braids look so good on me just shows i probably should have been a queen mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like you are a queen prof-. anyway but uh, the, the reason we're talking about her so much is because she's actually the author of the short story that we're, we read this week in um Star Wars from a certain point of view, and it the story is called Fully Operational, very different than the Princess and the Scoundrel Bite,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely.
0: But, and it's not very long, but it's a scene from the movie that i not that i had forgotten about it but i had forgotten the first half of the scene because the scene is the iconic vader walks in and chokes out a guy scene
1: yeah this one took me um, a minute to get into because i was like okay where are we at but then when they were talking about a meeting i was like oh okay i think i know where we're at now
0: i haven't seen the movie in a while we talked about watching the movie before we started the book um but then now we're talking about watching it at the end of, like, when we finish the book, so that we can remember all the stories. But um, I did have to go back and watch the scene because I was like, "How much of this was in the scene?" And all of it was, like, all of the dialogue was there. But basically, it's one of the officers, and I have the book next to me, but it's closed. And I am want to. Open it. Um, what's his name? The the protagonist of the story,
1: General Cassio. I'm going to say Tej.
0: He's basically like, the Rebels have something and it's bad. Like He's they... the one
1: in the movie with the really weird short bull cut thing going on.
0: Yeah, and he's... When I went back to watch the scene, and he, I was like, he's got the um transatlantic accent. <laughs> like, the Rebels, if the Rebels get it, we will never be whatever. You know, like, we are not safe as long as the Rebels have it. And I was like, wow, what a voice. Anyway, but... He has the weird bowl cut and then there's just the really cocky younger guy off to the side. And at first I thought that's what he was, the protagonist. But he's actually the protagonist of the next story. Um, And this guy is basically just like, listen, the rebels are coordinated. They took the plans. There's probably a weakness somewhere in this massive space station. He's
1: a he's basically a data scientist because he's looking at all the data is what he's doing. And he's like, they know something. Yeah, uh, he's
0: looking at the data that they know they stole, like all the files that. Yep. And he's like, they took the plans and you only really take plans to find the weaknesses in the plans. Like that's, you know, unless you're going to invade, which is a whole other thing. <laughs> but yeah you know he's very insistent no one really wants to listen to him um although it's interesting reading the story and then watching the scene i was like i think vader was a little concerned because vader was like you know in the beginning of the movie he's like i want those plans found and then he walks into the room and he now our protagonist is like um, the rebels are gonna like if they succeed, we're screwed. And he's like, "We'll have the plans in a second. Like we're we're getting them back. Don't worry about it." But also, I think Vader's worried about it.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah.
0: he was there. Vader's <laughs> like, "I screwed up so bad." <laughs>
1: um, but he, I, I yeah. really like that he pointed out that the Rebel Alliance was like up into this point, we're just little uh, partition units around the galaxy that were just like an annoyance but then what happened with scarif it's like we need to pay attention now because and i think that's what i think that's when the i feel like that's when um i think scarif is like the turning point where the empire is now starting to pay attention because if you watch andor they're just like okay what happened at um aldani they're like okay they wanted money and it's kind
0: of similar to this story where it's like there's the one imperial that's good at their job and understands what's going on like um deidre right where she's like the rebels are doing something and then even um you know she's good at her job and she knows something's up and kind of with cyril except cyril's more like looking for stuff that isn't there that just happens to be there (laughs) like he's accidentally finding stuff because he's looking too much um and she's finding stuff because she's got her job and this guy's kind of the same where he's like uh, oh, if anyone's really paying attention they should know that this is how it's going but you're right where it's like that was also they made it a big deal in rogue one where they were like uh we can't risk it like then they're going to know we're all coordinated here but then also like once the rogue one squad Ooh. took off and they realized like well this is our chance then everyone rallied and it does kind of feel like it's the first time they all rallied um visibly like that they all came out in the open and really had like that battle of at scarif um in rebels there's a lot of battles but they do feel more broken off into these factions like you're saying
1: Right. Like there's no like Scarif is what really I think Scarif is what really unites cuz we see we see the rebellion, the rebel alliance start to unite in rebels, you know, once Mon Mothma is finally said I'm fucking done. <laughs> um and I think and then of course in Andor we see that whole council um and and so like by the time we get to scarif, we have like a united rebel alliance, but you know, they don't want to do happen with scarif. And so I think scarif was definitely the turning point and the reunificate the reunification point for the rebel alliance. And then it just pops off from there.
0: Yeah. And so this guy is basically telling the conference room um which is i don't know a handful of other officers yeah all of this stuff where he's like they're organized it's all gonna go down he has this whole analogy about ants he doesn't i don't think he tells them i think it's just in his um headspace where he's like the thing is like if you separate 10 ants they don't really
1: they're kind of useless right together
0: they can do a hundred times the damage
1: right exactly
0: yeah uh then of course vader and tarkin walk in um i really like how she said that when vader's choking out the really cocky guy where he and he's mostly just choking him out because he decided he was gonna mouth off to him for really no reason
1: yeah exactly (laughs) he's just like vader you
0: are such a joke like and vader's like um who's joking now and i loved how she was like tarkin is like please let him go but because he's bored
1: yeah seemingly (laughs) bored ordered his release
0: dude this isn't even entertaining like
1: just uh pointed out is that tage is unlike everybody else he is unsure like these men were old they had their war and they believed they ended all the war all war with the finality of it they leaned in their chairs comfortable firm in the safety of the battle station around them tage swore to himself that he would never slip into passivity like that um And of course, Mahdi is making fun of him and telling him he's paranoid. And then that's when we get into the dialogue from the scene of the movie, unless this, until this battle station is fully operational, we are vulnerable. Um, But I really liked at the end where he says, his data has been wrong. He knew that now. Tasia looked at the angles incorrectly, surmised the outcomes based on incomplete data. He'd assumed the empire's greatest weapon was the Death Star. He was beginning to realize that it might just be Lord Vader himself you got
0: it (laughs) turns out it's been true this whole time that's kind of the theme of star wars really like anakin is more powerful than everybody but also everyone's problem
1: yeah at the same time
0: um yeah it is i thought it was a good story i was like oh i also um, re-watching the scene really helped I think I'll have to do it again next week when we get back to the other guy because the next week's story is from the perspective of the guy that gets choked out and it starts out with I don't care what you heard Vader wasn't <laughs> right <laughs> I don't care what you heard about this I don't care what you heard I know I know you saw the footage it wasn't what it looked like uh, and I was like I don't know man I think you decided to mouth off and get choked out
1: by Vader yeah I think that's what you uh you fucked up <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it i kind of forgot all about this scene actually i think because they had that tea up to Alderon last week so it was like um i thought the next several stories were all going to be Alderon stories and i completely forgot the empire also has characters so <laughs> yes um yeah this one that one and then i think the one after that might be the one
1: with um the halfway point with, with Brihas uh yeah. perspective yep that'll okay, be our halfway week, point
0: next week's story is called an incident report by Daniel M Lavery and the week after that oh it's a change of heart by Elizabeth yep Vine? and then
1: after that Vine? is
0: um Vine? eclipse by Madeline although change of heart the silhouette for it um is the torture droid so probably yes. not gonna be great
1: ironic considering uh what happened in the bad batch episode
0: <laughs> oh my goodness okay yes let's segue into the bad batch shall we <laughs> um quite an episode i was telling marianne before we recorded that i kind of wish i had re-watched it because i think it was kind of the opposite problem that i normally complain about which was things weren't happening fast enough it was like everything was happening <laughs> and so yes. they packed a lot into the episode but of course um big highlights hauser and gregor
1: Hauser's um, alive alive well yeah i screamed alive-a-well. when i saw gregor because i was unsure if that was hauser or not and then gregor popped up and i screamed i was like oh gregor, there you are buddy i know uh. it was
0: hauser immediately I completely um, missed Gregor the first time I saw him. I think it was like a, a after a few seconds, I was like, oh, and Gregor.
1: Well, <laughs> because like, I, I saw I was Hauser and I'm like, I was, I, was, I, was, I was too scared to hope it was Hauser. And then I saw Gregor and I screamed and then Echo's like, we got to get Hauser out. And I'm like, oh, yes, it's fucking Hauser. Yes. <laughs> He's alive. I,
0: when the, when, okay, well, here's, here's a quick summary. Basically, Echo is on a mission to rescue these clones but they don't know where they're taking the clones but it's their assumption that there's more clones there so all the data is encrypted he needs tech to undo it so he ends up back with the bad batch in the meantime crosshair is getting tortured and he knows that they're after omega um briefly escapes long enough to send an SOS and that's kind of about it like for poor crosshair um and then but gets recaptured and so the bad batch even though they had their happy little moment on their island is now debating but of course we know what they're going to do um to go act on crosshairs sos and echo is also with them and they know where to get the clothes now so <laughs> that was a terrible summary but that's what's happening i mean highlights for sure we got to see all these clones that we've been wondering where are they are they alive especially freaking hauser like I mean, we Hauser is a cliffhanger we've been waiting for all season.
1: Gregor uh, had plot armor, so we knew Gregor was alive. We, we knew Gregor, Gregor was, was
0: fine. Hauser was, you know... Hauser I feel was like
1: questionable, yeah. Hauser
0: has a name therefore might die by the end of the episode. Yeah, That's kind of how Wilco died.
1: Bed. Yeah, exactly. Wilco and Mayday mm-hmm. have both died. We got a name and yeah. they died. So... But no, yeah. Hauser is alive and well. Um, Don't know where Rex is, though. I was really surprised we didn't see him in this episode with Echo
0: you know i think it might just have been a lot where it's like they they're already bringing in gregor and Hauser. and maybe it's just implied that rex is off with another team you know they've split up right
1: and he and could conquer. be he could be going after wolf because we're supposed to. we need to know about still don't know people. where wolf is we still don't know where wolf is yeah. so he's got plot
0: armor but he'll be around at some point yeah, yeah um, exactly yeah um also i kind of wonder i This is like a little bit of an aside, but I wonder if Wolf's story is going to end up being just a little more traumatic since he's the one that's going kind of crazy in Rebels. You weren't wrong about Crosshair, though. I was wrong, I think, about him because he's on the way to a good redemption arc, I think, where he refuses to talk. They really want to know where Omega is because they need her to control Nala
1: Yeah, and here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is, and like, it, I, somebody had pointed this out and I was like, oh my God. Um, he knew, I mean, he always knew that the Batch was alive and well and doing their own thing. But he also, this entire time, knew how to contact them and possibly find them, but he didn't. He didn't do it. He didn't betray them. And now, because of Omega, he is trying to get to them and like it it i got so mad i don't know if i sent you this or not but when dr asshole was like she means nothing to you i'm like she means everything to him asshole i think he's gonna be the one
0: remember how i said i was like one of them are going to call her their sister i think it's gonna be crosshair
1: he's also realized he's also realized that you know after what happened with mayday that first of all they saw the armor you know, that they were trying to, that they didn't realize it was armor and they, you know, Mayday is talking about that they haven't had supplies in forever and it was armor that they were protecting, but definitely not for the clones. And then um, when Crosshair was begging the fucking Lieutenant to get a medic for Mayday, you know, you, that was that turning point for Crosshair where he finally realized they don't care about me. So I don't care about them now. And now he's going to try and do everything in his power to protect his brothers and Omega.
0: Although now I'm fairly convinced that the empire is going to end up with Omega at the end of the season. I would not be. surprised. Yeah. I think that's where they're going. And then I think it would also make more sense for them to team up with the clones. Um, if they didn't have her, not because, oh, now we're free of Omega, but because they have to work together to get her back. But it would serve a dual purpose then. um, Because she's at the same facility where they have all those clones. So where right. she would be in theory. I think I'm just kind of surprised that they redeemed Crosshair so fast. But also, um, I mean, I'm not mad that he's redeemed. <laughs> like, um, it is kind of stressful because he keeps getting tortured by the thingy the other thing though that i noticed on a different note entirely does it feel like everyone's getting love interests to you yes (laughs) like um chuchi echo had a moment they had a moment for sure and then the doctor seems very sympathetic not the doctor but the assistant seems very sympathetic toward crosshair just
1: or she's thrown it out there or she's just very charismatic
0: yeah but it's not like i feel like when you go charismatic villain it's kind of like thrawn where it's like i'm cheerful but i'm also going to torture you and she was more like um you cannot win i am begging you to not make me hurt you it was kind of more her thing to crosshair so I was like, I mean, maybe she's just a good person, but I was like, are we just getting all sorts of interactions around here all of a sudden in the Bad Batch? Yeah, Chuchi definitely said, be careful, Echo, and in an especially affectionate way, in my opinion.
1: Indeed. No, I got picked up on that, too.
0: Yeah, so, but maybe it's just more of like, maybe not the assistant, but as like, you know, Tech and Fee, Echo and Chuchi, or... You know, it's just a glimpse, like, they all have a future that they can fight for. And it doesn't have to be just them running around all the time, surviving.
1: Omega, like, running and leaping into Echo's arms. I was so freaking confused.
0: Oh, my gosh. We have to talk about her flying the ship.
1: That was hilarious.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. The first, I don't know, seven or eight minutes of the episode were really dark. And then out of nowhere, you just have this scene... With Omega learning to drive.
1: This was pretty awesome.
0: And it just reminded me of, you know, the episode with Hera where they're flying. And Hera's like, I'm finally flying. And then Omega's like, look what we did. And Tech is like, that is sufficient. We move over. Um, That's what it was reminding me of. And there he was like, it's all good. It's all good. You did good. And then here he's like, pull up, pull up. Bank, bank, pull up. Omega, Omega. <laughs> and it was so funny. But it was like classic Omega.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Classic tech, also. It was like, I was kind of surprised Hunter wasn't the one teaching her to fly it. But I guess tech is like the ideal one yeah. where actually he kind of seems to be the teacher in general uh for the season. He's the one that's like, Did you finish studying the ship?
1: yes no that was great that was such a nice reunion because their um his departure from the batch was just so incredibly um was just so incredibly devastating for me like it took me so long to get over that i was um i was so happy to see their reunion like that
0: I kind of thought at the beginning of the episode, I think I started saying this earlier and got sidetracked. Um, that it was going to be an only echo episode. Mm. And even though it wasn't, um, I was like happy to have Echo back. I was like, oh, an echo only episode. Oh no, okay, well, he's here. And I thought it would have made sense. You know, we had two crosshair only episodes, but I love how he was like, it is remote out here. But then also I was thinking. I mean, obviously we all trust Echo, but then I was like, it's a little um not reckless, but I kind of thought they would have gone to meet him somewhere off world because it seems like the people of Pabo are very protective of it. Like Fee right. never brings anybody out there. Right. Um, so I was like kind of interesting they weren't like, let's go meet Echo somewhere instead of him coming all the way here so that now if anyone happened to track him you know i don't know i mean i think they just did it so that we remember that they're on pavo but um and for that flying scene because we need it (laughs) we need the middle of the episode to have a really fun scene um but that was i was like you guys like could we be safer please we don't want to risk pavo they really wanted you to be like, will or will they not go after Crosshair? But they're going to. They're going to go. Um, if they don't go for Crosshair, they'll probably go with Echo to get those other clones. And kind of just try to figure out what's happening with Crosshair. Right. Um, and that is my prediction for next week. But is next week the f- finale? Yep. Next or is week there is three the- more?
1: No, next week is the two episode finale.
0: Okay, yeah. So next week is the finale. Um
1: yes, the episodes are called The Summit and Plan 99, which is actually interesting because when Dr. Hemlock was talking to um Tarkin. Tarkin, Tarkin had mentioned something about I um look forward to hearing your findings or something at the summit. So
0: yeah, I caught that too. Um I was like aha. Uh-huh. One of the I remembered one of the episodes was called The Summit. So Yes. Seeing something up. Um yes. and I kind of wonder if Choo gonna be there. That's kind of what I assume that she'll be part of that. So we'll have a POV of that. I wonder if it'll be another um like one episode is of her and more of the politics, and the second episode is all the action.
1: Right. Yeah, no, because the second one's called Plan 99. So we don't know. We don't know. Well, we will next week though.
0: Or tomorrow yeah. if you're listening to this the day it comes out. Do they they both
1: drop right? The yep. last it's a yeah. two, it's a two uh two episode. We
0: finale. might have to do a separate episode for the finale and Mando. Yes. We'll see. We'll figure that out. Yeah. So speaking of Mando, like I said, probably my favorite episode of this series actually before this episode six of season one was my favorite the prison break episode i thought it was very good but this one so much cute baby Grogu, <laughs> <laughs> so cute um his little walk have you seen there's been a duck edit you know the the lemonade song oh my gosh <laughs> there's been an edit where he's just walking and it's like waddle all away <laughs> it's so cute why yeah, the summary of Mando is uh, bo and Mando are living their best cult lives with the other Mandalorians. Um, and one of the other younglings gets snatched by a flying creature. And they embark on a little journey to rescue him. And in the meantime, Grogu has the infamous, if not always expected at this point order 66 flashbacks yes yeah pretty much it that's like the whole episode (laughs) but um really fun though a lot of great Bo-Katan in the episode oh
1: my gosh like people are I think because a lot of people were like Din is probably going to be the one that unites the clans of Mandalore but now it's like is it going to be Din or is it going to be Bo-Katan I think it'll be a joint effort.
0: They seem to be becoming more of a team.
1: Yes, which I love. I love this this um, companionship that they have, that Din and Bo-Katan have. I think they have a great dynamic going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you've got Aunt bo here. Well, you know, she's telling Grogu, it's okay. He's just proud of you. My father was the same way, you know. And Din's over here like, Fight! <laughs> <laughs> I right. see what you can do kid. Yeah, exactly. Take I just you, I love the way Pedro Pascal says grogu. I don't know why, but I'm just like the way he says grogu just I'm just like, "He." Yep. He. But, no, mean, so I love the yeah. way he says grogu. I, I just I don't know why. But um but we had a, you know, an interesting parallel when they go off to go save the child. Um, the Mandalorian child, and the armor takes Grogu back. Somebody called her Grandma Armor. <laughs> um, she takes Grogu back, and she starts um, doing her thing. And he, you know, the sparks and the loud noise trigger the flashback, just like with Din would trigger his flashbacks to the Clone Wars and um, being saved by the Mandalorians. Um, so of course we have an Order 66 because Dave Filoni never disappoints when it comes to Order 66. Uh, this so this this version of Order 66 was one fucking roller coaster of a ride. Holy shit! Because you're sitting there just like, oh god, this is so devastating. The fucking clones, here they go. You know the clones. Why the Jedi? Why? And I picked up on the name Kellarin, and I was like, okay, is Kellarin a place or a person? And then. The doors opened <laughs> and there is fucking Ahmed Best as a fucking Jedi master. And I will never get over this moment ever. And let's talk about one thing real quick. We need to stop saying redeemed, that Ahmed Best was redeemed. He was not redeemed. He Because be redeemed implies that he did something wrong. He did not do anything wrong. He did exactly what he was supposed to when he played Jar Jar Binks. If anything, he was vindicated but he was not redeemed and we need to get past that because that I mean is vindicated is
0: definitely the better word.
1: Yeah, we need to get past redeemed because he did nothing wrong. He there's nothing for him to redeem. If anything, the Star Wars fandom needs to be redeemed because we're the reason why he uh almost jumped off a bridge. So, we've got to get away from that narrative that he is being redeemed because he's not.
0: Yeah, the I mean I don't have a huge problem with Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. Like which I never is had who he played in the prequels. Um, I never really had an issue with him. A ton of people thought he was super annoying and stuff. I personally really love the the Darth Jar Jar headcanon. <laughs> um, just because I think it's super obscure and hilarious. But the like I never hated Jar Jar Binks the way a lot of other people do. But also oh, if no. you hate him. He's exactly what George Lucas wanted him to be,
1: Exactly. Kind of like and people that no... hate
0: um, Luke in the Last Jedi. But that's also exactly how George Lucas said Luke would have been. That's why they went that direction. So, well, like, there's it's no reason. The same.
1: There's no reason to go after the actors. There's no reason at all. Yeah, because we saw we saw it in the prequels with Jake Lloyd, Ahmed Best, Hayden Christensen, Ewan McGregor, and then we get to the sequels. And we didn't learn our lesson, and we saw it happen to Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, especially Kelly Marie Tran. Mm-hmm. And now we have Moses Ingram, and I'm just like, we're never going to learn. This fandom is never going to learn, ever. Mesa
0: Windu had, um he did the Who Broke It sound. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? <laughs> yeah, um I love it. I saw it on
1: i saw Later. it on instagram i saw that one maybe on it was instagram
0: um yeah and it was the who broke it and it, the whole time it was the fandom it was the fandom and absolutely. i saw it coming of course i loved how Dave filoni was the one that was like let me fix it <laughs> i can fix it it was my fault i'll fix it and he's like no who broke it
1: right. i no. broke it it was the fandom no because he's yeah. absolutely right it was it is it was and is still the fandom. yeah the fandom.
0: it's good that he had the chance to to be something more like generally likable than Jar Jar Binks, like that's not his fault either. You know that Jar Jar is, I guess, generally less likable. That subjectively, because like I said, I didn't, I don't care. Like I thought Jar Jar was hilarious, but I was also seven when it came out. So.
1: Yeah, he was uh, Jar Jar. Was that. Was that for the kids, honestly. Actually, so that year did it come um, out? Maybe I was six. I don't I was, know. It doesn't matter. Uh, it I was ten, a child, but. Also, Jar Jar's story ends pretty damn tragically. <laughs> I'm just like, wow
0: well, but anyway, at some point, George Lucas was like, "I actually don't remember what I wanted to do with this character," <laughs> and, and just gave him the worst ending. Yeah, no, um, it,
1: his his story is just like I feel so sorry for Jar Jar being his story. And after I learned like what actually happened to happened to the character, but anyways, um but yeah so then here's ahmed best living his best life and living all of our dreams as a jedi master which by the way he's a cool jedi master yes so kellerin beck is actually from the jedi was it called the jedi temple challenge or something like that which was a kid show on YouTube and I remember because then when I was looking at it I remembered seeing pictures of Ahmed Best in Jedi robes and thinking oh huh, that's really interesting I wonder what he was in and it was this kid show on YouTube and um so Kellan Beck is an older character. is like it's it's a it's a character known is an is a known character like he's an established character um and he's called what is he called saber hands like his nickname is like saber hands or something like that i can't remember what it was i loved it like after that i was like yes but then can we also talk about the naboo cruiser and the naboo guards yeah and so there's like a but there's a couple of theories floating around you know people are just like okay it's either padme because we don't know what padme was doing Prior to showing her during the Order sixty six scene as she's staring out the window, okay, she could have saw what happened. She could see what was happening with the temple, and knowing her, because this is how she is, she jumped into action because she th- she thinks she's concerned that Anakin's at the temple. Which then, three um, PO comes to her and he's like, you know, he left Palpatine's office and went to the temple, so she thinks he's in the temple fighting for his life right now. So it is highly 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 plausible that Padme jumped into action because that ship is the same ship that her and Anakin use in Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. and so it is highly highly plausible that she had somehow got a hold of somebody at the temple aka Keller and Beck somehow got a hold of Keller and Beck and said I have a ship waiting to get Jedi out here are the coordinates let's go and then we get to her in the movie where she's standing at the window crying i'm i hope to god that that is true that this was padme who had set this up because that would make again this would help this would make her character even more cool i wonder Uh, if
0: it's also just a nod to the fact that he was Jar Jar Binks See, and that he was is from my Naboo.
1: thought too. That was my thought too because that was initially my thought. I was like, oh, this must be a nod to Ahmed Best playing Jar Jar Binks, who's from Naboo. And then I started seeing the theories float around and some people were like, okay, it's either Jar Jar who set this up or it was Padme. But, um... Yeah, I, I don't think Jar
0: Jar has that much wherewithal, but okay. I
1: really like... <laughs> Padme's
0: definitely the more
1: logical... I really or... like the idea that she did, that she jumped into action... Yeah, and, and maybe even
0: if his character maybe might be from Naboo, so then that's a whole other... You know, right. Naboo's a prominent planet in the Republic, so I mean...
1: Well, and they also think, like, Padme also, you know, another reason it was because she was hoping that this would also... Trying to save Jedi, but reality... But her main focus was Anakin, to get Anakin out of the temple. If he yeah. and... Of him and of other Jedi knew that she had set up the safe point to get them out. So... You know, it's I like the Padme angle personally. I think it's a it's a very, very plausible theory.
0: Yeah. And just
1: close to saying her name.
0: (laughs) I feel like the I mean the I don't I feel like they'll probably never address it really, but also we don't I don't think we've seen the end of his character because something has to happen after that. For it's not like he went off and raised Grogu for 20 years, like it's right exactly because something happens,
1: something happens to him. So there's, there's more. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's going to be more about a more with Keller and Beck because we need to know how Grogu got to that point in episode one of The Mandalorian.
0: Yeah, he was really great with the two lightsabers, even though it was sad where he just like grabbed the one off the dead (laughs) jelly. Like, but I'll come out here with double blades yes and oh. be a
1: fucking badass and of course seeing like clones like live action clones and did that sounded like tamora morrison's voice to me Could yeah i think
0: they used, i think they used his voice Beautiful. Yes. i love it um yeah and also there's an interesting thing going on because the episode is called the foundling
1: the foundling yep um
0: and they don't they always call the other boy a
1: foundling yeah yeah they're all also? foundlings they're all foundlings i believe um,
0: but also, it was the flashback scenes are about like the parallel scenes that we didn't see in this episode, but we've seen before of Din becoming a foundling.
1: Right, exactly. Are the like, same. So, if, yeah, how he was rescued during all the Clone makes Wars. Sense. Right, how he was rescued during the Clone Wars. And then, of course, okay, after the flashback, Grogu gets his little chest plate thing. And somebody said, I don't remember where it was, but somebody said, so he has Din close to his heart at all. He's <laughs> just like, ah!
0: yeah. And then, even though they call the other kid a foundling, now I'm kind of confused because I guess the obvious explanation is that the Vesla character just took him in, like he's he found that boy. Right. And he calls him his son. So then I was like, is he not a foundling? But I. Well,
1: I feel like the the Mandalorian culture is really big on adopting. Yeah, it seems that way. It's not so much about blood. It's about just like adoption is a really big thing in the Mandalorian culture. So it is possible that he is a foundling and his son. That he adopted him.
0: Um, But back to Bo-Katan
1: living her best cult life. Yeah. Um, She's like, Do you guys take off your helmets? No, we go hang out by ourselves. <laughs> I was like, This is kind of hilarious. But this was like, this was a big thing though, because Paz Vizla tells her, You're the leader of the war party. You get to sit by the fire. Again, kind of solidifying that it is possible that Bo is going to be the one. Like, Grogu's going to tame the Mythosaur, and Din is going to help Bokatan unite the clans of Mandalore
0: well he's currently the Mandalore that's kind of what's yes, happening yes, yes, yes. um but he I think that this episode also even though I like I agree it could be that foreshadowing but also it was a a lot of it was about solidifying her character because especially after all the back and forth and stuff which we talked a lot about her character either last week or the week before I don't remember but um I think it's really solidifying who she is in The Mandalorian because it's like she doesn't really owe anything to these people except that she's hiding out with them and you know the dinosaur thing <laughs> the creature snatches the kid and all of them go in their jetpacks and her first instinct is off to the ship um and she ends up leading this whole party and everything, and it's just because she—that's who she is now. Like she's out here to protect other people, even though she doesn't fully like of course, agree with the way. And of but course
1: my favorite part is when she's the armor about the sword, <laughs> so and the armor is like, "Yeah, when you follow the way of the Mandalore, you're gonna see many things." She's like, "No, I really saw. Yeah, sure, this is the way. No, you're—I'm not kidding. I actually saw it." Because like it's really interesting that she chose the mythosaur to be the signet on her pauldron and not another night owl. Well, also the night owl is
0: associated with the Death Watch situation. So she probably would like to be removed from that a little bit.
1: Maybe, but I think I still think it's really interesting that she chose the mythosaur. You know, because she yeah. saw them. you know, she saw the mythosaur, and she's kind of keeping it to her chest but then she tells the armor and the armor's like this is the way no i'm not kidding i saw i this think it's way.
0: because she knows i think i i think it's like another thing about like mando where she's like he's She believes he's the Mandalore. Like, he won it in combat. He didn't even mean to win the stupid saber. You know,
1: He doesn't even want to do this. Like, I'm still pretty certain he's willing to give up the dark saber to Bokate. Yeah. And
0: I think, but I think when she saw the mythosaur, she's like, oh, shit, he's the guy. Like, he's the, all the legends are like, I think she's like, I think some of the legends are true. And now she's kind of like, maybe all of the legends are true. Like, maybe everything's happening. And so I think she's like, I think she's decided, like, she's just going to be with him. Like, she's like, he's the true leader. We're going to fix Mandalore together. And this is like her way of showing it to herself where she's like, this is my new cause. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, also, I didn't expect her to tell the armor that she saw it. I I thought she was just going to be like, can I use the mythosaur? And she'd be like, sure.
1: Yeah, that threw and me off too. I was like, a-
0: what if I told you I saw one?
1: <laughs> like, hold up. I was <laughs> like, wait a second. Good for her though.
0: <laughs> and then the armor, like, this is the way. Like, what way. does that mean? Armor. Yeah, you see visions. This she is the is way. Looking for advice. <laughs> All you say is, this is the way. This is the way. Um,
1: but then of course, my probably like my second favorite part was when Bogotan's like, yeah, we got some more foundlings and they pull out the baby. Ones. <laughs>
0: that was insane i was like they brought those things
1: on the ship and
0: she's like well i was not expecting that <laughs> i wonder what they ended up doing with them like are they going to train them or are they going to eat them like, which one well, is- she
1: said foundlings so <laughs> yeah but i feel like
0: i mean that's why i was like are they going to train them like a rancor or is that is it just going to feed them for but i do feel like if they were going to eat them they probably would have killed them And then brought them back.
1: Yes, I agree. That would make
0: sense. But, yeah. Also, can we talk about Paz Vizsla trying to climb the mountain with his, like, 100-pound thingy
1: (laughs) on his back? I was like, what is going on? There was
0: a lot of um, grunt acting happening with those Mandalorians (laughs) on the (laughs) cliffside. But, yeah. (laughs) um really good episode i loved bo-katan in the episode and it was really about them accepting her and also her kind of embracing it um her situation being the it um and also dinjarin you know i wouldn't be mad if we shipped them i don't think it's like necessary but i think it would make sense after this the last few episodes But she's definitely a long cry from go away and leave me alone.
1: That was hilarious, though. (laughs) To I choose
0: the mythosaur. And here we are. I thought that was so funny, though. I was like, what? We're going to get rid of him once and for all. Go away. wow that was your most vicious spoke anyway um
1: i thought i told you to stay away
0: (laughs) okay not very convincing Bo Katan. (laughs) ridiculous (laughs) but yeah so next week we will also have a lot to talk about i'm i think i like the episodes of mando that are also a little more episodic um i think just because i hate when things end on a cliffhanger and so but this was episode four right of the season
1: yes yes
0: so they halfway through the season we'll probably have some more cliffhangers later for sure they like to do things like that um but i do like the direction they're going with having more of the mandalorians and um bo katan figuring life out i do feel like sabine has got to be around the corner somewhere
1: yeah no i agree sabine and ahsoka
0: yeah i would be surprised if ahsoka didn't cameo somewhere in the season um but we know sabine is on Lethal. she's out she's out there watching over Lethal for ezra bridger (laughs) so um but also it doesn't mean she can't be sought out for any reason
1: is she or she's oh. she out looking for Ezra? I thought she and well, Ahsoka went out and started looking for Ezra.
0: Not well, not yet. Like Dave Filoni made it sound like the be like the last scene of Rebels is the first scene of Ahsoka. So if right. Ahsoka hasn't like, gone yet,
1: it looked like Sabina her. It looked like like in the end of the episode, it looked like her and Ahsoka were getting ready to go. That's right, but
0: saying. I don't think that's happened yet in the timeline mm. because Ahsoka. The last we saw her she was like i mean i think we assumed she went directly from finding out where thrawn is to go get her but since she showed up with luke in um boba fett i don't think that's happened yet but she was kind of a big part of like this grogu thing so i think it would be a little surprising not to get a cameo from ahsoka in the season right somewhere um and i think Somewhere in there is gonna be the launch off into ahsoka series, which is su- still supposed to be this year, right?
1: Yes, end of the year, I believe. like l- end of summer I think
0: is what it is. Mm. So if it's the next Star Wars series, I feel like we would get a nod to it somewhere. maybe an after credit scene or something.
1: I like think a- it, I think scene. it is supposed to be the next Star Wars. Because I don't think, I think after there's, because once Mandalorian's done, that's it until like the end of the summer, I think. I mean, we won't, I don't think we'll officially know until Celebration, which is in a couple of weeks, but because I'm I'm sure they're going to announce when Ahsoka will be released at Celebration.
0: They'll probably wait for Mando to end. They'll either announce it at Celebration or, well, I guess that's around the same time, actually. They'll wait for Mando to end because you know how it was like they didn't announce the Boba Fett thing at all until the season finale of um, Mando season two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I could, I think they'll wait for Mando to have its run before they announce it, but that could still be celebration because that's around the same time Mando ends anyway. Um, makes sense. But I would be kind of shocked if we didn't get a Sabine thing somewhere in this Mando series because like Sabine, a big part of Sabine's arc was having the dark saber and being a Mandalorian and stuff. Right. So I think it makes sense for them to cross paths, but also maybe because she completed that arc, it would also make sense for her to be like, no, I'm doing my own thing now. Y'all figure out the dark saber thing on your own.
1: <laughs> I mean, don't blame her. <laughs> we're not doing
0: that again. <laughs> I may or may not be force sensitive. We're not gonna talk about it. <laughs> Um and she has Ezra's lightsaber. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Already. Well. Next week we're gonna figure out how we're gonna deal with the finale.
1: The Finale. Is um,
0: we might do two episodes: one for the finale, one for Mando and a and the book. Um, if we have time to record this. <laughs> um, if not, we might just have a super long episode. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um. Yeah. So I'm Annie. And I'm Marianne. And join us next time to figure out whether or not we're forcing it.
1: Bye. Bye.